Hey winner, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad that you are choosing to tune in with me today. The story I'm sharing today is about a phoenix rising. Tina Krebs rose out of the ashes of her dark, toxic past and has flourished into a beautiful future. After getting up the courage to leave not just one, but two toxic relationships, she slowly picked up the pieces and put together a new life for her and her two children, one filled with renewal and hope and a new beginning. This episode is not a light topic. We go pretty deep and heavy, and you may not want your children listening in on the topics that we are covering. I just wanted you to know that before we get started. Tina has endured a very difficult past filled with lies, cheating, and abuse. It's hard to tell the story without some of those details seeping in. Tina is best known for capturing the raw emotions of life's most memorable moments, as well as her ability to create unique photos that are not only visually stunning, but also telling the story from behind the lens. She started her photography journey in 2018 as an escape and a way to cope after ending an abusive and toxic marriage. With her strong will and determination, what was once her crutch has now become her passion and future. When Tina is not behind the camera, she is a busy single mom raising her two children, Faith and Joseph. In her spare time, she is advocating and raising awareness for survivors of domestic violence and rape while inspiring others how to live their best life after trauma. Her photography is beautiful, such an art, and I am so thankful to call her my friend. We met at a weekend away with some of the authors of the Lemonade Stand 2 anthology, and we bonded straight away. I hope her story encourages you to be brave and fight and stand up for what's right. You never know when and if someone else will need you to stand by them. Let's step into the fire and find out how she turned her ashes into beauty. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon, and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Tina. Thanks so much for joining me on Red Hot Mindset today. I'm really excited to dive into your story. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's been a while since we've gotten to really chat. I kind of miss our time out in Arizona. So I got to meet Tina in person when we were out in Arizona promoting the Lemonade Stand 2, which is the book that we're both in. We both have chapters in. And it was just so fun. And I felt like we were lifelong friends right away and getting to know you better. I knew I had to get you on here to be able to share your story with my audience and um, because you have a really special message. So before we dive in, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself or something that will help us to get to know you better? Um, Well, I'm a single mom of two amazing kids, um, Faith and Joey, who are my entire world. Um, I'm a photographer by trade now. I've spent most of my life in healthcare, um, between emergency medicine and EMS and um, outpatient dialysis clinics, uh, which, you know, I got hurt a few years back and had to have a career change and just turned up 
in the bead photography. So yeah. and I'm here in Pittsburgh and what else? It's kind of crazy day. We just got a new puppy. Um, unfortunately, we had to say goodbye to two of our furry friends in the past month and, you know, the last one being Monday. Um, mm -hmm. So that kind of like left the big hole in all of our hearts, even, you know, my big German Shepherd, that's my baby. Um, so I went and adopted another uh, nine week old puppy boxer who we have affectionately all named Cruz. Oh, and you did that today, right? You named him today? Yes, I literally just walked in the door like a few minutes ago and uh, we finally all just uh, decided on cruise and that was it. So, mm, so fun. Interesting. <laughs> it's been a day. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Well, and I, I think we could say that about our lives, right? They're always interesting. So um, now I want to kind of go back a little bit into your early adulthood, because I know that your plans were quickly altered when you merged into adulthood from what you thought you were going to do um, to what you decided to do. Um, how did that path kind of change and merge for you? Well, you know, when I was 16, you know, I thought I knew everything just like every other typical 16 year old and that I'm learning myself from my daughter. Thanks. <laughs> uh, it's that whole mother. Wait till you have a kid spell. Yeah, I got that. Um, mom, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but um, no, I got into EMS and, you know, being a first responder and, and a medic and my mom ended up becoming my partner. So that was even better. Um, and I thought I had everything figured out. I skipped a year of high school. I went from 10th grade to 12th grade and out and with all straight A's and I had it figured out. I was going to the military to be an MP so I can come back and become a police officer. Um, I thought I knew it all, but I was extremely wrong and my life took a completely different turn. Um, I didn't go to the army. I stayed in, in EMS and emergency services most of my life, it's just kind of in my DNA. My father and my brother were volunteer firefighters growing up. So it just kind of was normal to me. And then, you know, just getting to be able to drive my mom to her first ambulance call is, is pretty awesome. You know, that is pretty cool. It's pretty like pretty fun. Um, and then I just got stuck in medicine, like all my life. And I love taking care of people and helping them. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and we're talking today a little bit about um, your struggle victory story uh, when it comes to relationships. Now, I know early on you you entered into a relationship that probably started out amazing and eventually became toxic. Um, was it toxic from the beginning or what were some of the signs that you saw as you were in it? Um, well, I was married the, for the first time at 19. Mm. So I was young. And I was married to him for 15 years and he's the father of my, of both of my children. And slowly, like I had learned things had been changing. Like everything was my fault. Um, it, it just eventually like warps your mind to think like, Oh, wait a minute. This isn't my fault. It's not raining today because it's not my fault. Um, so those became some signs. And then, you know, after shortly after I had my daughter or my, my son, you know, you start to think like, you have like this big aha moment where you're like, wait a minute, I don't want my kids growing up like this. So at that point, it, it was clear what I had to do. Um, so I left my first husband and 
shortly thereafter, I had met who would then be my second husband. We were best friends at first. We worked together um, in an emergency room. And, you know, we're just best friends. Never thought of that. And it evolved into a marriage, which, um, a very short marriage. You know, there were signs all, all along the way. And, you know, when I first started noticing them, um, I found out he was cheating on my first wedding anniversary that I found out he cheated the night before we got married. And I had seen the signs and, you know, he was drinking a lot more and I'm like, okay, maybe I can help this, you know, try and nip him in the bud. You know, I can't take my kids out of another divorce. You know, I'm already here a year. The ink's dry. What am I going to do? I thought that was the worst of it. So there would be times where he would be fine for a while. And then I'd notice the, the sneaking around the, every time I came into a room, somebody's hiding, he's hiding his phone or, you know, just stuff really kind of out of character. Um, and then it just, it became so bad that, you know, things were happening that I knew shouldn't be happening. And I made him choose, you know, the family or the bottle. Um, he, said he chose us for a while and it was good, but then he was going through like a gallon of rum a week, sometimes a whole bottle in a day, depending on the size of the bottle. Um, and one night he was drunk as usual and attacked me in our, in our home. He had raped and tried to strangle me. And that was, that's definitely a big wake up call. Like, you can ignore all the red signs, but that's the big one that kind of, wow, this is, this just happened. Um, and that's like pretty much like having my whole world turned upside down in a snow globe. And I didn't know up from down who I could trust, who I couldn't, you know, it's just the man who's supposed to love, honor, protect you is the one that tried to end me. Mm. So, and that was really hard. And you know, my children started, you know, I could see a difference in my children already. Um, my daughter had started acting out and I didn't understand why. So they actually, the same day that I had asked him to leave, my daughter had um, was staying with her dad for a few weeks so that I could get everything all cleared out. But it was, it was hard because, you know, his mom, you know, this stuff is happening in your house and you're furious because that's where your babies live. You know, you want to rip your, rip anybody's face off, you know, mama bear instincts, but yet you also have to try and keep your, your mind and wits about you. Um, to stay safe. And then that's really a lot of what it was and everything is a choice. So I had to very, be very careful on how I made those choices. Mm -hmm. Well, were these hard choices, like um, maybe comparing even the first, leaving the first marriage to leaving the second marriage, the second marriage, the signs were maybe a little bit easier to see, I got to get out because he attacked you. But, but was it, even though you knew that it was what you needed to do, was it, were they hard choices for you? They were all extremely, extremely difficult choices, you know, especially, you know, my first ex-husband, it was the mental and, and verbal abuse. That's not as easy or clear cut to recognize than like a smack in the face. Mm. Um, 
you know, that become that's a whole big difference. And, and people don't realize that the mental there's mental abuse. Um, with my second husband, that's just I can't explain the emptiness, the the like shock of it. I, I remember those those first few hours or minutes afterwards, and even the days. It's just like is my mind playing tricks? So you have to argue with yourself. Like for a while, you're thinking that that didn't happen. There's no way that happened. I, I've got to be, but then you come to accept it. It's the whole, you really go through the whole grief process on so many different levels, starting with yourself. And then once I made that choice that this really happened, he's out, he's got to go. So I had to be very careful in how I went about that. So I had to actually make even a safety plan. Mm. And because if he suspected anything, that was, he could have finished where he started. Mm. So there was a whole lot going on. It, it was chaos. It was, but you somehow you just do it. And I think a lot of like my training from martial arts, so I did Taekwondo for 15 years and third degree black belt between that and dealing with um, emergency situations on the ambulance you you don't really so much think you just kind of do and think about think about it later so that's fortunately that came in handy and I just kind of just happened mm, yeah that's so true and I, I see it as especially when it's the mental and the emotional side of things and it is harder to recognize that um a lot of times us as women we have that emotional side and we have that um almost nurturing side where we want to be people pleasers and we want to help. And, um, we kind of lie to ourselves. Um, did you see that with yourself at all? Or do you, is that something that you recognize in others when you see them going through, um, uh, difficult decisions or difficult to say, I can't say it difficult situations, um, with their own spouses? Um, yeah, I do. You know, cause it, it, you don't want, you go through like a period of denial where, you know, your mind is almost split in half and it's almost like the devil and the angel on each shoulder, you know, this just happened. No, it didn't, you know, and you argue, it, it's it's so overwhelming to like be so confused and like literally arguing with yourself about such, something so like it either happened or didn't. It's not like, you know, sorta kinda. So, you know, that was pretty hard. Um, I mean, there, there's just a lot going through through someone's mind like that, you know, like of all people, never, nobody ever grows up expecting, you know, saying, oh, I can't wait till I get divorced or I can't wait to be a victim. Nobody ever grows up to say that. Nobody ever wants that. So, you know, it really, for a little bit, it, it took like my faith in God even took a hit for a while because, you know, that's the worst thing you could do to a human being. And I couldn't understand that, but, you know, fortunately through all this when I had to find my like there was days I didn't want to get up so you just start doing and then slowly pieces of your life come back and it took me a long time to realize that there is a reason that God gave me this and it's not to punish me that's the furthest thing from his mind my biggest you know motto is you know God doesn't give you anything you can't handle if he's, he brings you to it, he'll get you through it. So I knew 
that God gave me this and I can get through it. And there's a reason behind it. I didn't know it then, but you know, now I know without a shadow of a doubt, it's because I'm strong enough to survive it and to help others go through it. Mm. And, you know, that just realizing that is, is pretty, that's a big win. Yeah. And it's amazing because he uses our mess to become our message. And if we're not willing to share it, then how can we help others through it? And what I see in your story is that you are willing to speak out now. It took a while, I'm sure. I'm going through the grief process and the healing process, but you're coming out the other side, like you said, stronger. It doesn't mean that you're completely forgotten the past, but you're stronger for it. And now you are helping others heal. And I love, I love watching you in that. And one of the ways that um, I see you watching, helping others heal is in photography in a form of passion, a passionate art that you love. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you discovered your love for photography, because I know that was a little bit of your healing process as well. You know, it, it really, it, it really was. It was so amazing. It's completely by accident. You know, I had, I've always loved taking pictures, you know, like, especially of my kids. I am that obnoxious mom with a camera in my child's face. Every move they take, oh, this is the first time he walked. Look, this is the second step. You know, you could probably make like one of those little flashcard movie things out of the pictures, but you know, it's okay. Cause I will still remember them, but playing with them. It was, it was more than just taking them. Like some of them were too dark and it just, naturally progressed to where I was taking a regular photograph, whether I took it or not, and creating a completely different piece of art. And, you know, at first I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, oh yeah, look, mom here, I did this. She's like, oh, I love it. It's like, great. You know, you can put it on the refrigerator. You know, you're not, my mom's not going to tell me she hates it, you know? So it took a while to realize that there was actually a little something to it. And I kept going with it. And it was, it was my escape. You know, I don't have a very long attention span, especially when you've got like 20,000 things running through your mind, you know, you just need to like get your mind to shut up for a little bit. And that's how photography kind of did it for me. And it allowed me to quiet my mind zone in. I could lose like a whole day playing with them and not even realize it. So, you know, that was always great. And it kind of became my crutch. And anytime I needed things were too much or too hard or heavy. I just kind of zone out and put all of my energy and emotions into my work. And it just kind of transformed into something incredible. And it helped me transform into something much better. Um, and now it went from my crutch to my passion and my future. So now I've, um, I've started my own business, Unique Photo Innovations. And you know, I go from, you know, it's not just a Pittsburgh thing. It's, you know, I fly all, all across the country and my work has been seen all over the world. And it's just, it's so amazing to see, uh, you know, how I progressed and you know, it, it's really a way, a great way to get, to express everything. You know, they say, if you write it down or journal, well, I'm not great with that. There's like a mental block. Like I know I wrote that, you know, wrote my chapter in the book, but truth be told, I hate writing. <laughs> hate it. <laughs> There's a reason I play with pictures and not words. Um, There's just like some mental block, but then I even just dictated it or just put it into my art. And it's, 
it's pretty awesome. Mm. And you can see it. You can see the passion in your photos and in the art that you create. Now, when we talk about writing your chapter, um, your chapter is about overcoming these toxic relationships. And you go quite a bit more in detail into uh, the relationships themselves and what you were uh, escaping from. So I highly recommend if you want to hear a little bit more of Tina's story to get the Lemonade Stand 2 anthology because it is powerful. It had me in tears. It was There's just so much and so much emotion in it. But I'm sure writing it was hard. One, that you don't like writing. <laughs> and two, just probably putting it on paper uh, drew back a lot of memories for you. What was the process of writing like for you? Um, it was, I, I expected it to be tough. Um, you know, throughout my whole journey through this, you know, any roadblock that I would come up with, you know, I've gotten to the point where I don't stop. I, no matter how I feel about them, I will run headfirst into them until I break through. You know, same thing with staying in hotels. I didn't want to be in hotels. I couldn't be in hotels. I couldn't be around people. And I finally got to the point where enough's enough and I'm taking it back. So I would purposely, you know, just spend the night in a local hotel until I start being comfortable with that. And, you know, when I met you in February with the other authors, you know, up until that point, I had never traveled further west than Ohio, you know, and never anywhere alone, let alone across country to Arizona, not knowing a single soul. Um, but as soon as I put my feet on the ground and found you and Lisa that day, it was just like coming home, you know, it was just like the most natural thing in the world. And that was great too. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot. Yeah. Yeah. How does it feel having your story out there? to share with others? Is there ever like this, oh, I don't know if I should have done that? Or is it, yes, like you said, you go full force and you're like, I know that I know that this was exactly what I needed to do. It was it was hard and like I kept trying to write, but I was like, oh, I'm blocked, I'm blocked. So it was like down to the wire, like the 11th hour. They're like, Tina, where's your story? I'm like, all right, fine. So I locked myself in my room. And I tried to write it and I couldn't. So I dictated it to my phone, which then transcribed it. And just going through all that, it was exhausting and mentally it was triggering. And when I got it all out, I was drained. I felt like I ran a marathon, um, but yet it felt so good. It was liberating and I never expected that. And then after I hit that send button and the final, you know, draft was in, then it hit me like, oh no, now it's out there. What do I do? There's no going back. And, you know, then it's, then you have like this whole other rush of thoughts come in your mind, like, oh, this is going to be great. Or, oh no, this is going to be a disaster. But I can honestly tell you that it has changed my life in ways I never thought possible. It's incredible you know um it's just led to so many amazing opportunities and the best of all is like through this whole thing I have found myself like I thought I really knew myself now I'm a complete stranger to myself and just being able to enjoy getting to know myself inside and out it has really been amazing mm -hmm. You, you really learned so much about yourself. It's been like twists and turns, ups and downs, 
Um, but now it's, it's like, it's completely changed my life. I, I really, I can't say enough about it. It's pretty awesome. How neat. That is so cool that writing, see, and I, for me, writing's therapeutic. So, but how cool that writing, even for someone who doesn't like to do it, uh, can be therapeutic and just an eye-opener for who you are and who God created you to be and what you can do through it and with it. Um, that is, that's a neat story to share. If you are interested in hearing these stories, I'm sharing more in depth, you need to pick up a copy of the Lemonade Stand 2 Anthology. This series is a powerful testimony of others willing to step up and share their stories for emotional growth and inspiration. I had the privilege to be a part of book two, which is a collective of narratives of true everyday heroes who show you how to stand in your power, find the courage to seek truth and reveal your authentic self. I wrote the running for my life chapter because we need to have more open conversations about mental health. Too many young souls are falling culprits to depression or suicide in this noisy world. I decided it was time to open up and share my story. I dealt with severe depression and anxiety in early adulthood, and through personal development, mentorship, and my deep faith, I was able to take back my life and come off all medications. It's hard to be vulnerable in this area that is usually filled with much shame and guilt, and I didn't want to end up back in that place by drying out all the emotions I knew would come out as I wrote, but I knew it was time. It was time to share the story I've hidden for years in an effort to help and support anyone else who may be dealing with negative thoughts or feelings that are spiraling them down into a dark place. There is hope and light in the midst of darkness. Are you in the midst of a struggle of your own? Pick up a copy of this book to find encouragement, inspiration, and motivation to move forward into your breakthrough. Our stories are meant to be shared. Head to www.redhotmindset.com to snag your signed copy of the Lemonade Stand 2. Um, what do you think throughout your journey? You've had so you've had such a journey, such a life journey, um, going from a toxic relationship to a toxic relationship. And after that one, you also learned of a rare uh, nerve pain disorder that you had, um, that you had to deal with. And one of those reasons that you left EMS as well, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, but through all of these lessons uh, or these journeys, what were some of the greatest lessons that you've learned? Oh my gosh, there, there's really, there's so many. Um, you know, I often think about, look back to see, you know, where I was then and where I'm at now and where I'm going. It's, it's overwhelming in the best possible way. Um, like I said, I've learned who I am. I've learned what love really is. You know, I mean, I see it with my parents because my parents are amazing. They're still married. Um, but to feel that, you know, I finally know what I found my worth and I found myself, um, you know, and everybody talks about forgiveness and that one I struggled with for a really long time. Um, cause there was like, I'm thinking there's no way I can forgive this. There's no way, you know, and why should I forgive them? And, you know, I really finally learned that forgiveness doesn't mean that you get over it or you forgive about it, or you're okay with him it's just I'm tired of carrying it you know I'm, I'm I've outgrown that phase of my life 
you know, it's kind of like level up time. And that's been a lot. And the biggest thing is trusting the process. I still struggle with that daily, um, you know, trust, major trust issues, but I'm learning and growing. So between that and learning to be graceful and kind to myself. So it's, uh, it's definitely, there's so many lessons that I've, I have learned. Like it, it's crazy. It's almost feel like I just woke up or I've just been born. Like, and that's crazy. I'm 40 years old. Uh, and that's another lesson that I want to refund on being 40. I don't like it. I've been 40 for a month and I want my money back. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm getting there too. A couple more years. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I'll do it. Abort. abort. <laughs> Away. I'll, I'll stay 38 forever when I turn yeah. 38. <laughs> funny. Oh, those are some huge lessons. And what I love is that you said that you're still growing, that you haven't arrived. You haven't, you haven't figured it all out. You're still trusting the process and it's a daily decision and a daily practice to be able to do that because every day brings something new. It brings new challenges and brings um, new blessings and new gratitudes, but there's always going to be something that we're going through, but you're learning to grow through it. And I think that's something that we need to remember is that um, we don't ever arrive. If you, if you arrive, you're perfect. And there's only one who is, <laughs> and yeah. that is Jesus. Right. And so um, if we were perfect, then we wouldn't need him and to help us to forgive or to grow through what we go through or uh, all the things that we are learning daily lessons. And I, I think that's powerful and trusting the process is powerful because a lot of times we don't understand it. We do not see it. Like what the heck is going on? Where are we going? Where are you taking me? Why am I going through this? All the questions we ask, right? And um, really what we we kind of have to realize is that our ways just are not God's ways and his process is best. And he knows exactly what he's doing. All we have to do is stay in step with him. Um, so now I, one thing that I think is powerful and something that I really want to talk with you about is really um, how do we see toxic relationships and how, like, how do we identify it? And then once we identify it, um, what do we do? How do we get over the mindset of, I don't think I can do this on my own. Oh, maybe it's not as not, it's not so bad. I can stay, you know, the question, the things that we will say. And, um, because I think, um, coming from the outside, we will shake them and say, you gotta go, you know, we see it, but, um, in the moment when you're there, you justify it. And I don't know if you felt like you justified it a little bit, but um, do you have some advice that you could give for anybody who may be listening, who has either gone through a toxic relationship or is in one now and knows that they need help? Uh, you, the, you know, the one thing about being in a toxic relationship, you know, you as the person that's when you're in it, you may not even know it. You know, you, it may take a while for you to start seeing, you know, the red flags and, you know, the first piece of advice is if you see red flags, ignore, you do not ignore them, run, like just avoid them. They're red for a reason. Um, but that's, you know, that's really tricky, but you know, because now if I would tell you what was going on, you would be like, Tina, you're out of your mind. You've got to see what he's doing. You know, in that situation, when you're still there, you know, you don't, you don't see it. And you have to kind of come to that on your own. 
and, and hopefully quickly, but you know, don't let, fall for the, the um, stereotypical responses of, you know, he's sorry, he's going to change, you know, all this stuff. He's not, and it's not. You need to get yourself out. And if you have children, you need to get away. You don't want your kids to grow up in that environment because they're going to grow up seeing what he's doing or she's doing. And that's what they're going to expect in their life. And then that, that's why the cycle keeps going. So, you know, don't be afraid to start over. You know, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. And that's a huge thing, you know, just, and don't get overwhelmed. Don't look at the whole big picture. You just take it one minute by minute, you know, second by second, if you have to just one step at a time. And before you know it, you're going to be there. And there's that light, you know, since I came, you know, since, you know, that life versus my life, it's kind of like, best way I could describe it is like being trapped in a dark old factory and looking out the windows, the broken windows and seeing like the brightest light and happiness, you know, people all around. And it's, it's terrifying to walk through those doors, even though you know what's outside is better than inside, you know, inside and you're used to inside. That's what you're used to. You can handle that. It's when you step out those doors and people are kind and loving and caring that's terrifying for somebody because they don't know what to expect. They don't see it coming, you know, and that's another big thing. Yeah. I have to see things coming, whether it's good or bad. I can live with it if I can see it, but if you catch me off guard, that throws me like into like a whole spiral because that's a big thing with survivors is, you know, you feel that you need to control things, but then you get to that point where you trust the process and you learn to just let go and breathe a little bit. And it's a hard lesson to learn and I have yet to master it, but I get better with it every day. Mm -hmm. So just like hang in there. And if you know, if you feel like something's wrong, your gut tells you it, you know, somebody else, listen to it. Don't listen to anybody else. You got to do what you do, what you need to do for yourself. Keep yourself safe and your family safe. You know, there's people that were out there to help you and they will protect you. And if not, I'm at least here to help talk to anybody. You know, it's, nobody should ever have to go through it alone. And the biggest thing would be counseling. Talk to a counselor. Yeah, so true. And I, and in the moment you feel so alone and it's probably one of the hardest, that's probably one of the reasons why it's hardest to leave too, because you feel like you're alone and you've probably been told you're going to be alone, right? And, or just those things. Yeah, like I've been told you're, I'm the gift under the Christmas tree nobody wants, you know, stuff like that. And you start to believe that. So then you are afraid to leave because you're being told you're never going to survive. You're going to lose your kids. And, you know, that kind of plays on, you know, a mom's heart. And at some point, I just got to the point where I finally, it clicked. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't want my kids to grow up with divorced parents. But yet, I also don't want my kids to grow up in this kind of an environment either. So just, you know, unfortunately having, you know, an amazing family, my mom and dad who have helped, um, help and support me, you know, with everything, help with the kids, you know, that made it a lot easier too. But even if, if you don't have family that can help you out, you know, still stay something, there's places out there to help and they can get you safe. Yes. Reaching out for help is one of the hardest things, but it's, it's the first step. It's the most important thing. So now 
um, I know you had mentioned that you're here too. So if anybody is feeling that way or if they need to connect, um, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you? Um, you know, you can contact me on Facebook. I have my personal page, which is Tina Krebs, and my um, photography page, which is Unique Photo Innovations. Uh, you can also find my website, uniquephotoinnovations.com. Private message me or call me uh, 412-513-8119. Um, and even just to talk or if you need somebody to listen, because, you know, I know one of the, one of the things that upsets me most is like when you're explaining to somebody and they say, oh yeah, I understand. Well, no, you don't. Those are the two words that like drive me nuts unless it's somebody that has been in my shoes. So, you know, I, I don't want anybody to feel that they're alone because you can be in a room full of people and still feel like you're the single person there and that anybody around could see right through you. That that's a awful feeling. So don't be afraid to reach out, you know, help in any way. And if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Mm, I love that. It's so true. It's so true that, um, you know, unless we've been in your shoes, we don't really know we can empathize and we can be there, but we don't really understand everything. But just knowing that somebody's there supporting you uh, can be a big, big first step and a big deal. Um, do you have any encouragement that you want to leave us with? Well, you know, just never, never give up. Don't be afraid to start over. Never settle for anything less than what you want and what you deserve. You know, there's a lot of people out there that will, you know, come on as you know, Prince Charming or snakes in the grass. But, you know when it's down to it, you got to take care of yourself first and just be patient and love yourself. And yeah, patience is the biggest thing. <laughs> You'll get there. It's, you know, just because it's, you know, there's life after trauma. It's not the end of the story. It's the end of the chapter and you get to write the next one or start the sequel. And it's the best is yet to come. You know, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, thank you so much for sharing, Tina. That was, um, I, it's so cool. Like I said, to see the transformation that you're having as well. And just the, how you're taking that struggle that you had and turning it into a victory. You're not letting anybody, um, keep that from you because. Yeah. You know what? I didn't get my justice. Unfortunately, um, you know, you're reading the story that I was attacked twice, um, both were as a result of my uh, ex-husband, but I did everything. I came forward. I, you know, it was terrifying and it was hard. I went through the, the whole trial and testified and got nothing. Uh, it was turned around on me, even though that the one suspect had raped a six-year-old previously. You know, they still said, you know, I was drunk when I wasn't, all these things. And that was more painful than the actual event itself in that assault. Um, and even the same thing with my ex-husband, I took everything. I had all the proof, you know, confessions and took them to the police and they didn't do it. I didn't get my justice. I got a life sentence and, you know, I could give up, but I decided to get justice my own way. You know, in jail, they're sheltered out here. It's everywhere. So now they get to see me everywhere. And that's pretty awesome. So, you know, that's, it's kind of like one of those things, like the country song, like, how do you like me now? Well, 
here I am. You can't hide from me. I'm going everywhere. I'm doing better without them and living my absolute best life ever imaginable. It's, it's really great. And you know, don't give up on yourself and dreams come true. Yes. I like it. You're getting your own justice. That's good. So thank you so much, Tina. I've so enjoyed this conversation. I'm so glad that we got to connect and that you took the step to come out to Arizona because not only did you come out to the West for the first time, but you roomed with two strangers (laughs) and, you know, put up with us. And that is, that's such an adventure in itself. So thank you so much for sharing. I know it's not easy, but it's definitely needed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's definitely hard, but, you know, getting to, if it helps one person, then it's all worth it. And then some. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.